Girlfriends, episode number 313, Finding Hope in God's Plan with Julianne Bartlett. Hello and welcome to Girlfriends. I'm Danielle Bean. I'm a wife and a mom and I'm on a mission to help you know your worth as a woman so you can find peace, balance, and joy in family living. This week, my special guest is Julianne Bartlett, who's here to share all about finding hope in God's plan, even when it doesn't precisely match our own plan. Such a great conversation. Can't wait to share it with you. Let's get going. Hey, girlfriend, thanks for being here. You know I love connecting with you here. Thank you so much for showing up for this newest episode of the Girlfriends Podcast. So before we dive into this week's special guest and our topic this week, I just want to give a shout out to Julie, who connected with me on Instagram, and she told me she's doing a You Are Enough Bible study with her women's group and that they are loving it. Thank you so much for sharing that, Julie. You know what? I love hearing from women who are doing this book together with their women's groups. You're Enough is my best-selling book. And for those of you who aren't familiar with its contents, um, I'm actually a little surprised that it has been as well-received as it has been because it's about women of the Old Testament. And before I wrote it, I was kind of like, okay, you know, I liked writing about New Testament women, but this Old Testament stuff is a little weird and maybe not very, you know, applicable to my life as a modern woman. And yet I was really surprised when I went to write this book by just how relevant the stories of women in the Old Testament are to the stories that we experience as women today. So I loved diving into those topics in You Are Enough, What Women of the Bible Teach You About Your Mission and Worth. And now I love hearing from women's groups that are doing it together. If you're like Julie and you want to do this book together with a group of women, maybe even just with a close friend, and you would like a companion journal for the book that can help you kind of walk through and provides discussion questions based on the contents of the book, you can get one absolutely free. Just email me, danielle at daniellebean.com, and I will be glad to send you a downloadable PDF of that free companion guide for You Are Enough. All right. So this week's guest is Julianne Bartlett, who shares from a very unique perspective. So a few weeks back, I had my daughter Juliet on to talk about advice for Catholic singles. And um, I hear from people all the time who listen to the podcast who are singles, which is so great. I'm so encouraged to know that the content that I share here is relevant even to young people and um, single people in the church. And in Julianne's case, um, she's sharing from the perspective as someone who got to the age of 42 as a not wanting to be single, but still finding herself single. And really just her story is really just a beautiful testimony to the the beauty and perfection of God's plan. You know, we talked last week about when God says no. Well, Julianne is one of these people who heard God really saying no to her great desire for marriage throughout most of her life, most of her going into her adulthood and beyond. And and she struggled with that. And she's going to share with us about that. But then what a beautiful plan God had for her life. And what a beautiful story of hope she shares for all of us. Whether you're single and don't want to be, or you're struggling with God saying no in some other way or not now in some other way in your life, Julianne's story is sure to inspire you. Hey, everybody. Joining me here today on the Girlfriends Podcast is a special guest. Julie Ann Bartlett is joining me here today. Julie Ann married her husband, Seth, at the age of 42. 
Having struggled with prolonged singleness for most of her adult life, she knows firsthand the loneliness and the trials that one can encounter on the path to marriage, especially when the unmarried person is older. Without a doubt, Julianne believes that God loves marriage. Her favorite subject to write and speak about is the call to marry and especially to give hope to singles who desire marriage. After spending many years in non-denominational churches, Julianne returned to the Catholic Church in her mid-30s, where she fell in love with the fullness of truth. Some years later, she wed her husband and realized her experiences could help others. Offering hope backed up with reason through her ministry, Passion of Hope, Julianne provides a faithful analysis of the scriptures, catechism of the Catholic Church, and other church writings to support her insistence that single people can get to marriage with God's help. Julianne and her husband, Seth, live in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. Welcome to Girlfriends, Julianne. I'm so happy that you're here. Oh, thank you, Danielle. I'm excited to be here. Thrilled to have you here. We've had the joy of meeting in person and working on some other projects, including CatholicMom.com together. So I'm thrilled to have this chance to introduce you to the folks who are listening with regard to your ministry, this Passion of Hope ministry. Tell us a little bit about how you found yourself in that place. Your bio shared that you got married later in life. Um, What was that process like for you? Sure. Um, Well, you know, I I had always wanted to get married and I just automatically assumed that it was going to happen. Like, you know, everything else, like, you know, grew up, you know, went to college and then I went to law school and I just thought that I would, you know, graduate law school, get a job and meet somebody and get married. Mm -hmm. And as I was watching my friends, you know, get married, (laughs) start their life, you know, and their families and everything. And it wasn't happening for me. And then I was, you know, entering my thirties and, and everything. I was like, you know, why, why isn't this working for me? Like, you know, for everybody else. And, and then when I would ask people and they didn't have answers for me that were hopeful, like, you know, well, maybe marriage just isn't for you or right. um, in the church world, like, you know, maybe, you know, God doesn't have anybody for you or, you know, that God's called you to be single. Um, I just could not accept that. Like, you know, it was very despairing to me. Mm-hmm. And um, every relationship that I ever had, you know, either, you know, ended very badly or, you know, just could never get to, you know, the altar. Right. And so um, it it was it was full of heartbreak and and, and hopelessness. Yeah, <laughs> so. I can really understand that for sure. And I think you know there certainly I hear from people who listen to girlfriends all the time who are single who don't want to be single who want to figure out you know what what is God's plan for me here? Why is this marriage thing not just happening for me? I think people can relate to that idea, and even those of us who are married can relate to the idea of having this desire and God not fulfilling it yet. Like, and, and learning to trust in God's plan as part of that process. Um, but I, I love that you shared that people weren't always helpful <laughs> with, <laughs> with the things that they would do or say. And I think our culture sometimes doesn't know how to even speak to single people if they're struggling with it. Uh, maybe you could share a little bit about that. Sure. Well, and I think that really is so correct what you said that people don't know how to speak to singles and i you know i think that it's it's such a a problem in the sense that you know normally there's always been like a mechanism in society for single people Mm -hmm. that you know to help you know like there used to be like dances at the churches or dances at you know different locations in society even not connected with the churches and there used to be a structure to the 
courting or dating process. Mm -hmm. And the whole landscape of that has pretty much been eroded um, by the culture. Mm -hmm. And people, you know, just kind of normally for lack of a better word, maltriculated into that and into marriage. Right. And so nor- normally there'd be like a, a, you know, a single person and you could be like, well, they didn't marry for this reason. Like you could, mm-hmm. you could tell, but now it's what I call modern phenomenon that you have all of these singles and nobody really understands why. Mm-hmm. And so when I was struggling, um, and I've been married this March, actually be 11 years. Mm-hmm. Um, I was kind of like in the crux of that change. And pe- what I would always say to people, like if I was like unemployed, nobody would ever say to me like, well, maybe God has just called you to, you know, not work or <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> maybe God's called you to never have a job again. <laughs> like we would never say that to people. Right. And, and everybody would always say to me, you know, and these are church people, they would always say, you know, well, that's different. That's different than marriage. And I'm like, but it really isn't. Like, right. in God's eyes, marriage is so much more important than a job. Mm-hmm. And I had, you know, decided that I was going to figure this out. Like, I I had to know, like, God, God has so many strong opinions, like, on every subject, really, that has to do with, um, you know, human affairs, Mm -hmm. and, you know, how we relate with each other and how we relate with him, like, I thought he has to have an opinion on singleness and marriage. Right. And I thought, what, what is that opinion? And I, I was in like my mid 30s. And I thought, I have to figure this out, like, because I, I didn't like I knew, like, when, when I was unemployed and trying to find a job, I knew I could pray with abounding confidence to him that he would help me find a job. Mm-hmm. Um, but I couldn't pray with abounding confidence for a spouse because I didn't know if it was his will. And mm-hmm. so I had to figure out what his will was. And that's what I set to find out to find. And that journey led me to know that it really was his will. Yeah, how did for, you get there? So yeah, describe so, that. Sure, well, I set out, um, to and I should share that I had you know grown up I was raised Catholic and so I um, had left the Catholic Church and I was when this law was going on I was in the um, evangelical world and and it was actually this journey that I when I started out I really only had the scriptures to look mm-hmm. at so this ignited my my journey back home as well which then led me to have the fullness of truth with the catechism and everything so but initially I just had the scriptures mm-hmm. um, and. That's where I started. And and what my initial focus was what happened in the Garden of Eden, that that God said that, you know, it was not good for man to be alone. Mm-hmm. And and I was like, I just could not get away from that. And and people would always say to me, Well, that's not really what he meant. That was just for him to get things started. Oh, <laughs> and, he, <laughs> and he he really meant like friend, you need friends, you need society. Mm-hmm. But I, I just didn't believe that because I'm like, he said it's not good for man to be alone and God could do anything. And then he would have created you a friend or he mm-hmm. would have created society. And then I went further into what I discovered in Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew in um, chapter 19, where we get like words from Jesus himself. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, it had started where the Pharisees were trying to 
um, trick Jesus. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we're really on the subject of divorce. Right. Where, you know, his disciples got very nervous about how Jesus was setting the state, what they viewed the standard as so high about no divorce. Right, right. The impossible. (laughs) Yes, exactly. But we get a glimpse as to what Jesus views about singleness. And and because the apostles are are like, you know, hey, it's better than that. Nobody should marry, you know, if you can't divorce. Mm -hmm. And And Jesus says that, you know, hey, you know, if your commitment and fear of, you know, not being able to live up to the standard is not the reason to not marry. Mm-hmm. And then he says that there's there's only three reasons that somebody doesn't marry. And they're either born not capable of marriage, they're made not capable of marriage, or they forsake marriage for the kingdom of heaven. And that really struck me. And I was mm-hmm. like, you know, I was made not capable of marriage by others. And I think that that others be made not capable of marriage by others is so encompassing of so many things. Like, mm-hmm. um, I had a lot of, you know, wounds from my past that, you know, made me get into a lot of dysfunctional relationships. Yep. So I was, you know, attracting men that, you know, I couldn't get to the altar with. So that was a piece of it. Yeah. But I think that also because the landscape had changed in terms of society, um, that, you know, one, marriage isn't valued anymore. We don't see it as necessary anymore. So it it hurts opportunities for marriage. But but women, and I can, you know, I'm speaking from the, the female perspective, women mm-hmm. never lose that desire for marriage because it's, it's God implants it in us. Right. And then when I came into the Catholic, you know, came back to the Catholic church, and I looked into the catechism. The catechism tells us in section 1603, um, it says that God himself is the author of marriage and the vocation to marriage is written in the very nature of man and woman as they come from the hand of the creator. And to me, that confirmed what went on in the Garden of Eden. Right. And, and what could, you were feeling going on in your own heart. It, yes, exactly. Exactly. And like, and when I looked at, um, like, you know, you know, priests and religious that, that we never look at a priest and be like, oh, like, you know, he first, he forsook the great good of singleness to become a priest. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. You know, we always assume they were, you know, forsaking marriage. Right, of course, of course. You know? Yeah, yeah. I, I so, think that's a really helpful way of looking at it. And and I, <laughs> I love that you share this, you know, very real journey of coming to understand yourself that God desired marriage for you in spite of what other people might have been telling you. And there is, like you were describing, so much in our culture that kind of leaves people kind of feeling lonely and alone in their singleness and feeling like, what's wrong with me? And there aren't those structures in place to find the people that they're meant to marry. But rather than despairing, um, what can you share for ideas for how, you know, someone who finds themselves in that situation, the temptation might be to throw up your hands and say, well, culture's against me. There's nothing in place to help me find a spouse. And here I am, you know, 40 or whatever, and I'm not married. So what might you say to somebody in that situation? Or what advice might you offer them? Sure. Well, I... First of all, know that God wants you to get married. Uh, I like to share that, you know, now I've been married over, you know, 10 years now. It's going to be 11, you know, March. And and I know now 
that God wanted me married more than I wanted marriage for myself. Oh yeah. And um and I, and if if you had talked to me like, you know, 12 years ago when I was struggling mm-hmm. in the throes of my own what I call <laughs> prolonged singleness, um yeah. that that I was you know, in so much despair and, you know, felt like God had abandoned me. My message is to like, like, I can't get you married, but what I can do is encourage you that God wants to help you get married mm-hmm. and and that he wants that for you more than, than you want it for yourself and that you can approach the throne of, you know, his mercy and his grace to get married and, um, and that you have to make it your mission that you're going to do everything you can in your power to get married. And, and that means, you know, seeking him and also, you know, changing the ways that you relate with the opposite sex, but also mm-hmm. embracing like um, a prayer campaign <laughs> to get married. Yes. Okay. Is this what you did then? <laughs> I, a prayer I, campaign. A prayer campaign. I absolutely did a prayer campaign. And Describe that for us. Sure. Um, well, I tried, I tried a whole bunch of different things. Like, you know, I had done like novenas to different saints. I, um, you know, did a whole, like just, you know, praying every day. I prayed the scriptures. I was on my knees praying. But I have to say what finally did it was um, praying like the rosary every day, several times a day until I, and I actually met my spouse. And, mm-hmm. and I think there are several reasons for that. One is that Sister Lucia has said the final battle between Satan and God was going to be about the family and marriage. Mm-hmm. And I think that battle includes the battle to get married. Yeah. And, and I think that the less marriages that are occurring means that there's less representation of God's image in the world. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, I think the the Blessed Mother, through beseeching her intercession through the Rosary, she's brought into this battle to help us. Yeah. And, oh, that's beautiful. I, I love that. And uh, I, I love that perspective <laughs> and that reminder of the power of Our Lady over whatever desires are on your heart. Yes, yes. And and then I found this out afterwards, actually, that that Sister Lucia said there's no like problem that can't be resolved with the Rosary. And um, I didn't know that before I... That's very encouraging. Yeah, like I took the rosary to do this, and um, and and so I I really really think think that you know that she overcame my problem of singleness, you know, um, and um, I also you know believe that I had just recently read this too, and I believe there's lots of saints out there who like, um, you know, like are. Um, a patron saint of different parts of like, you know, vocations or religious sure. life and everything. But I have re- also read that she is um, the patroness, the Blessed Mother is the patroness of vocations. So mm. why would she not want to help us get into and see our vocation of marriage fulfilled? Right. Oh, that's, that's absolutely right. Yeah. So, okay. So you began this, this prayer campaign and I know you had others praying for you as well. Yes. Um, maybe share that because I really love what you've shared with me once before about kind of having this, uh, I don't remember what you called it, but it's like a prayer posse, people who are on your team. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Well, b- part of that was, um, because I was in so much despair, I called it like team marriage, um, yes. that, um, like weekends were the hardest for me because I, you know, was on my own. I was living alone. And so 
I had a I had a very stressful job at the time and and so the during the week I was pretty much you know encompassed and all of that but when I would come home on Fridays I was like oh no like I just can't bear to face the weekend alone and mm-hmm. um and so usually I kind of rotated the three of them like each weekend because <laughs> <laughs> I would call one of them like I'm ne- God I'm never gonna get married you know God has nobody for me you know and um, they would absolutely you know talk me through it and mm-hmm. you know encourage me and like you know the scripture like bear one one another's burdens mm-hmm. and lift me up to remind me that god did have somebody for me and right. and and that helped me through especially because i married at 42 so it was definitely from like the age of 40 through 42 was the hardest because i'm sure yeah like to be 40 and single is very you know, you're seeing the end of your ability to, um, now we ended up not being able to have children, but mm-hmm. I didn't know that at the time. But so it's like, oh no, I'm, I, it's all over, you know? Right. right. <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely. I think that everybody can relate to that on some level yes. and understand that. So you mentioned being unable to have children, which kind of brings up another question that I had about how did this, this prolonged singleness and learning to kind of grapple with that idea that, you know, God placed this desire on your heart and it's not being fulfilled and figuring out what, you know, how to respond to that and how to grow closer to God through that that struggle. How has that served you in, in your married life with future challenges that you faced either alone or together with your husband, Seth? Well, I have to say that getting married changed my view of God forever in the sense that I knew once, like when he got me married, like I knew that there was nothing God couldn't do. Like mm-hmm. in Hebrews, I believe, I believe it's Hebrews where he says that, you know, um, the only way to please God is through faith and all that come to him have to believe that he exists and, right. and that he rewards those who faithfully seek him. And and it was a battle of faith for me and a faith and hope, you know, to get married. And, right. um but once I got married, I was like, oh, wow, like he, the God who sees, sees me in mm-hmm. my need and he didn't forget me and he got me married. So I, I've taken that mindset and that experience into every other challenge. Um, and we've had challenges. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, who doesn't, right? Right, Expe- right. And then when you're married, you have your, you, your other, your spouse's challenges become your challenges. Yes. And so... I've been able to, you know, take that God sees me in this challenge. And it's almost like my hooks that were, I was able to get my hooks into God deeper um, Mm -hmm. and be like, I'm not, I'm not going to let go of God because if he got me, if he got me married, I know he can get me through this. Exactly right. Now, okay, people are going to want to know at the end of all of this, at the age of 42, how did you meet your husband, Seth? What, how did that happen? Sure, sure. Um, well, I had I had just moved to Maryland for my job. Mm-hmm. And um, I had met somebody else who had just moved to Maryland because we I worked for the government. And mm-hmm. she said that she had a friend back in Texas, who was single. And I was I was not open to it because he was divorced and I was Mm -hmm. very worried 
and he, and he wasn't Catholic. He was a non-denominational Christian. Yeah. And I was like, well, he, I know he won't have an annulment. And so I was like, you know, never going to marry somebody who didn't have an annulment because I take the marriage laws of the church very serious. Yeah. And, but I didn't want to hurt her feelings or his feelings because people who aren't Catholic don't understand right. all of that. And, and I didn't want to, in their eyes, be like, oh, she's just being a ridiculous person yeah. <laughs> you know so i thought well i'll just go on the blind date and blind dates are a whole nother topic <laughs> i had done a number of them and it takes courage it, it does and it's crushing and you know everything so i thought all right i'll just do it but i know it's not going to go anywhere because of the whole you know divorce annulment issue mm -hmm. so we went out and um and him and i hit like hit it off immediately and mm -hmm. so he was visiting Maryland for the whole week and we went out like several times the whole week. And this was the first man who absolutely followed up with me and pursued me completely. Like I didn't have mm -hmm. to wonder if he was interested. Right. And so at the end of the week, he said, you know, I really like you. I really see where this going somewhere. And so I thought, well, let me just lay it on the line and scare him off and do everything. So I said, you know, well, <laughs> if you if you see this going somewhere, you're going to have to get your first marriage annulled. And, <laughs> I, and he's like, what does that mean? <laughs> I know he had no clue. And I thought, well, that'll be the end of it. And I don't have to deal with the issue. And so he went back to Texas and went to his local Catholic church, not being a Catholic, never having dealt with the Catholic church and talked mm -hmm. to the priest there to find out about annulments. Mm -hmm. And um, and so I went to my priest and talked and said, you know, hey, should I break this off? Because I, mm -hmm. I don't want to, you know, I don't want God being upset with me. I don't want, you know, <laughs> I don't want to go to hell right. <laughs> over marriage. And the priest said, you know, to me, um, don't do anything yet. Let's see what God might be doing in your life. Mm -hmm. And um, and lo and behold, we, I met him got an annulment, got engaged, and got married all within 11 months. Oh, uh, my word. Yeah, meeting him. <laughs> <laughs> That's so great. I love it. I love it. And, you know, I love that you shared that you had these kind of hesitations and actually were going to reject it outright from the beginning because there's something for us all to learn in that, whether you're waiting to be married or you're looking for a job or you're hoping for a baby or whatever thing, you know, good thing that you have a desire for that God has placed on your heart, sometimes we limit what God can do by, you know, saying it needs to be on our terms and maybe not even thinking it through in that way, but saying like, it has to look like this. I'm not open to that kind of thing. And sometimes what God has planned for us is so much better than we would ever imagine for ourselves. And he can do all things. And so, you know, why put limits on what God can do? I think there's such a lesson for us in your story of being open to the way in which God might want to answer our prayers. Oh, thank you. Yeah, you know, and I, it's funny. I look at the different men that I had dated, and mm -hmm. I kind of come up with this little saying, like, not rejection, but redirection, that, you know, when those relationships had ended, you know, God was redirecting me because he had this this man for me because I think my husband was, like, his personality, his temperament, he was the best man to be able to handle not only me, but like mm -hmm. my, my, my mother, you know, the issues I have yeah. with my mother, you know, and so we don't know what God has for us because like we, like you said, we think it should look this way. It should go this way. 
Mm-hmm. But if we're open to what he might be doing, even though it doesn't, you know, it might not look like the perfect way, the package, whatever um, process, mm-hmm. he knows exactly what we need for our situations. Exactly. Yes. I I love that. All right. Well, we're almost out of time here, but I want to give you an opportunity to just just speak to somebody listening that might be in a place of discouragement, whether it's about prolonged singleness or um, some other aspect of their their life plan that isn't coming together for them. What what words of encouragement or advice might you offer to somebody in that situation? Well, I just want to say, you know, don't don't buy into this message that's out there about like embracing your singleness. Not that you shouldn't be enjoying mm-hmm. your life now because you should, but go to God and seek him about it and be honest about, you know, that you want mm-hmm. a spouse. He put that desire in there for a reason because it's meant to drive you to marriage. And this issue of prolonged singleness and wanting to get married may be the very path to also drive you in your relationship to God so you can see the miracle he can birth into your life. I love that. And I think that's so true and so applicable to many different life situations and the ways we might find ourselves struggling with longing for something that hasn't come into place yet that God is still working on and has a plan for, but we just don't know what it is yet. That can be so hard in the waiting. So your your ministry is Passion of Hope, and people can go to passionofhope.com. What kinds of resources are available there? Sure. I have, well, I blog once a month, and so that's mm-hmm. there too. And then um, links to podcasts and events that I have been on, just like we're yeah. doing right now. And then I also have a free ebook called Prolonged Singleness, the ABC Guide to Breaking Free. And people can download that. And it's it's meant to be like a journal to like jumpstart your journey with God and has scriptures and quotes from the Catholic Catechism so that you can actually start seeking God in, you know, start off this journey to breaking free from prolonged singleness and look at roadblocks that you might have that are keeping you single. I love it. And that's a free resource that's available at passionofhope.com. Julian, I just want to thank you for, you know, your your honesty and your vulnerability in sharing your story. I think there's so much that can encourage and inspire other people in similar circumstances. Thank you so much for having that heart for others. Oh, thank you so much for having me on, Danielle, and let me share. I really want to see people get married. Yes, and we do too. So we're going to be praying for all of you out there who find yourself in that situation, but also go over to passionofhope.com. Check out the free resources that are available to you from Julianne. Our guest today has been Julianne Bartlett from passionofhope.com. We've got more of the show coming up, but first we're going to take a quick break. I'm Danielle Bean, and you're listening to The Girlfriends Podcast. Okay, here's the gut check right here, because if nothing changes, nothing changes. Do you want to be holy? And do you want to be an instrument of renewal in this world? And if so, do you believe it's possible? Do you know what it looks like? Do you know where to begin? Because if nothing changes, nothing changes. My name is Father Mark Mary. I'm a Franciscan friar of the renewal, and I wrote a book called Habits for Holiness. And it pulls from over 800 years of Franciscan tradition, wisdom, and experience of radical and total discipleship in the midst of the world, but in a way which begins with little steps and works not only for religion, not only for priests, but for everybody. The change you desire is possible. The conversion you desire is possible. The renewal you desire is possible. The healing you desire is possible. And it begins with little steps. So to guide you on your way and to help you make the next best step of renewal in your life, I'd invite you to pick up a copy of my book, Habits for Holiness. God bless you.
Welcome back. Now we're at the point in the show where I like to share some listener feedback with you. And if you're interested in sending me a question to possibly take up in this segment of the show, I'd love to hear from you. You can email me, danielle at daniellebean.com or connect with me on social media like Julie did on Instagram. I'm Danielle Bean on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. So this week, the question that I want to share comes from Laura, and um, she wrote a a lot more than this, but I'm just going to share the last part of her email, which really gets to the, the heart of what her question is, where she's talking about her husband who doesn't currently share her faith, and he's kind of been going through a process of a kind of questioning faith. And anyway, so this is what she shares. Laura says, he's now at a point where he's agnostic, but very genuine in his search for the truth and supportive of me raising our kids in the Catholic faith. He goes to mass with us and even prays with the kids. He's extremely sensitive to my feelings about all of it, but it has definitely been an unwanted struggle for me. Nothing is more important to me than sharing our faith together as believers and as a family. He has a genuine truth-seeking heart, and I think I should be comforted by that. I believe God blesses a pure desire, which he has, but I do desire for him to return to our faith. Could you address this idea of spouses who end up leaving the faith or how to help that kind of relationship stay strong and grow amidst the discerning? The last thing either of us wants is to argue about beliefs, and it's extra challenging not wanting to talk in front of the kids about all of it. We email about it sometimes, but it can get kind of overwhelming. I'm very thankful he's supportive of me raising our kids in the Catholic faith, but I just feel so sad and distant sometimes. Thank you so much for taking the time to read all of this, Laura. All right. So, Laura, first of all, so many people share this story, maybe not the precise details of you know, your your husband's particular journey of faith, but so many people find themselves in a different place, whether you married someone who didn't share your faith in the first place, or their faith changes, or they abandon their faith, or you're just more, you know, more advanced in your, your journey with God than they are. This can be a very painful kind of separation to feel in your married relationship. So I would just encourage you to definitely keep talking But definitely also take breaks. You say that it gets kind of overwhelming. You don't want this to be what colors all of your interactions in your relationship. Of course, it's important. And of course, you're going to feel it in, you know, in real ways. And personally, you're going to feel sad sometimes and lonely like you like you share. And so, yes, you should keep talking about it and make sure that your husband knows you're open to talking about it. But do take breaks from that. Make sure you're having fun together. Make sure you're connecting in all the ways that you you usually do. Make sure he's he's knowing just how much you, you love him and care for him and want to spend time with him and want what's best for him. So kind of take breaks from that kind of heavy stuff of the back and forths sometimes. And I, I know you're already doing this, Laura, but keep praying St. Monica is a great example to us here who prayed, you know, we always remember how she prayed for St. Augustine, right? Her son who was living this worldly lifestyle and and she prayed him into the faith and then he became this great saint and doctor of the church, which is amazing. So what a beautiful thing, right? A beautiful testimony to the power of steadfast prayer of a mom. But St. Monica also prayed for her husband who was a pagan and was actually abusive of her. She prayed for him and he converted before he died as well. So let's let's remember St. Monica as a beautiful example here. And you can pray to St. Monica, asking for her guidance, asking for her intercession, asking for her to pray for your husband as well. 
And then, you know, I said, maybe you don't need to be doing this heavy hitting with regard to the back and forths and debating and defending the faith. And that, that can be really hard and it can, it can really, you know, become a source of division in your relationship. But maybe there's someone else who could take that up, a person that you trust that your husband could meet with regularly to bring questions to, whether it's your parish priest or not, I don't know. One option might be, if your husband's open to this, kind of going through the RCIA program in your parish. You don't have to be saying that you're you're becoming a Catholic or returning to your Catholic faith to take those classes. You can just sign up. And it can be a really great way, you know, depending on the quality of what's going on at your, your local parish, but it can be a great way to get the basics of the faith and kind of hear from other people, you know, why we believe the things we do and the history of the church and um, just a walking through the creed, really. just a, That's a really beautiful way to answer questions and um, it could be a way for your husband to, in a kind of non-threatening way that doesn't even have to involve you, of just learning more about these things. Many of us are cradle Catholics and we don't know some of this stuff. So if that's the, the case with your husband where he left his faith, maybe he, maybe there's some of the stuff that he could get a refresher on or that he never learned in the first place or never understood in the first place or never had anybody ever bothered to explain to him in a way that made sense look for a way that maybe he could do that. If, if there's nothing local available, maybe there's a course that he could take online. There's lots of great resources out there. Or somebody that you know, maybe a personal friend, or maybe it's your pastor, who'd be willing to meet with him on a regular basis. Because it sounds like he really is, like you say, genuinely questioning and genuinely struggling with this. And this could be a great way to support him in that journey that doesn't have to be you, which can take some of the burden off of you. And then finally, I would just encourage you, Laura, to to know that this is in God's hands. And from the tone of your email, I, I know that you're, you're trusting in God with this, but it's hard. It's hard to do. It's challenging for you. So I just want to give you a little bit of encouragement to do exactly that. You say your husband's seeking the truth. Well, God is going to bless that. And God is the truth. And the truth is a naturally very attractive thing. We know it when we see it and we want it. We want the truth. So if your husband is seeking in this genuine way, he's going to end up in the right place. God has a plan for him. God has a plan for his, his connection and relationship with him, for his growth in the faith. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen in God's way. You know, sometimes when we, we love somebody and we, we want them to grow in their faith, whether it's your child, I hear from moms all the time, every single day I hear from a mom who's, whose child or young adult child especially is not living out their faith and they're just heartbroken over it. And, you know, part of this is letting go of that sense of control, like it has to be us who do it. It's it's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is going to do it. So just, you know, trust in the goodness of God and just be that steadfast source of prayer support for your husband and just keep placing him in God's hands. God loves him even more than you do. God knows what's best for him and he wants to give it to him. So I'll be praying for you, Laura, and um, all, all couples who are experiencing that kind of division in their marriages, um, just, just praying for, for unity there and for all those who have strayed from their Catholic faith, that they will come back to the fullness of truth in the Catholic Church and find the home that God needs for them to find there. All right, that's all the time we have for today. But I want to thank Julianne for being part of today's show. And I want to thank you for being part of today's show. The fact that you're here, the fact that you're listening makes you an important part of the Girlfriends community. And I want to thank you for being here. I want to thank you for all the ways that you communicate with me and that you support what we do here at Girlfriends. It means the world to me. And I love that you're listening. So thank you so much for showing up today and spending a little bit of time with me. And until next time, I hope you enjoy your day and God bless your week. 
Girlfriends is a collaboration between DanielleBean.com and Ascension, the leader in Catholic faith formation. 